Congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs, the college football FBS champions for the second year in a row. We're back from vacation. This is Alan Caps. Over on the other mic is Michael Watson. We're going to talk about whatever you want to call what happened on Monday, plus a bunch of college basketball highlights, because this is Sixth Year Seniors. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I'm tired of losing to Purdue! I'm not here to round this week! That's why I got a college gift! That's why I was an All-American in Michigan! I could give a shit about North Carolina right now. How you doing? I, I, t- I told you before we hit the hit the red light here. I'm on a hotel floor by myself. We're at Six Year Seniors North. Carolina is somehow winning at Charlottesville as we record this. Which my I don't know if we're in DVR status or not. I don't know. I'm caught up on the DVR. I don't know. I've got a hotel floor myself. I was going to ask you about your DVR status. Yeah, we'll talk the, about the that. The DVR is caught up. The DVR is caught up. I'm fired up. The the college football national championship game was as big a shit show as you can ever imagine. And, and, and you know, hey, credit to Georgia. They were they were by far the best team, and uh, they dropped the hammer. Good for them. It's basketball season now. Let, let's go down the format sheet here. Yeah, I don't know how much we're going to talk about Monday's debacle, but we'll we can talk about to, everything else. Yeah, sixty-five to seven. The largest bowl victory ever. Not the largest championship game ever, but the largest bowl game margin ever. That takes in a lot of decades of bowl games. Do you know how many bad bowl games there have been over the course of college football history? There have been a shit ton. (laughs) A shit ton. How bad does it have to be to be 65 to 7 bad? And let's be straight up, straight shoot, let's call it in the ring. Georgia could have put another one in if they wanted to in the final five minutes, and Kirby mercifully finally called off the dogs. It could have oh, been. Oh, that means you were actually still watching it because I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't watching it per se, but I had the game on. We'll just say that I stuck through halftime, and the last five minutes were awful hard to watch. And then I turned on the Oral Roberts New Mexico basketball game, which turned out to be a much better show. Of course, you know, watching chickens hatch eggs would have been more entertaining than Georgia and TCU. So it's 24 to 7. The game is already getting out of hand for TCU. Georgia's got the ball driving with three minutes left in the first half. They're getting the second half kickoff, and everybody has the exact same thought. Georgia's going to score here, and the first time TCU gets the ball in the second half, they're going to be down 38 to 7, which was a shoot because the first time they got the ball in the second half, they were down 38 to 7. But that's because Duggan through the intercept exception with a minute left in the first half after Georgia scored the touchdown, Georgia goes down, punches another one. I mean, it was just brutal, just absolutely brutal. And uh, well, you, you, okay. You gave it that much credit by the time it was 24 to seven. I knew the game was over. I was had over. a feeling the over. game was over on the first play from scrimmage when TCU was penalized And immediately my brain went right back to the Georgia Tennessee game. And I went, Nope, TCU doesn't belong here. It's a, it it was as bad a omen as you can imagine now. Now, but let's not get carried away here. TC, the, the TCU football team had no shit in business being on the same field as that Georgia team on Monday night. But neither did any other team in college football. But and that's where I was going is that, you can't say that TCU didn't belong in the playoff or that Alabama would have been there. Get the fuck out of here. TCU absolutely no, no, no. Alabama, to be there. Alabama lost football games on the yes. field. 
So yes, TCU belongs. 100%. I 100% agree. And, and I don't care. I don't care if they lost 65 to 7 or if they lost 65 to 64. TCU 100% belong there. They didn't lose to LSU. Exactly. They didn't lose to a no, mediocre they won LSU their team. Conference. Yeah, well, they undefeated <laughs> in regulation, right? And yeah. the, and wasn't that the old LSU thing? Oh, they they swept they swept the Big Twelve conference, and, and and it looks really bad. You look at the Big Twelve results in bowl season, and and the Big Twelve I think averaged giving up like forty nine points a game or something ridiculous oh, like that. Geez, I don't know. I didn't realize. Uh, well, it, a, it was, a lot of that was, was Kansas game with Arkansas. So I, going into overtime, yeah. But then, but then TCU on their own, you know, fifty-one forty-five in, in you know in the in the in the whatever bowl game they were in the Fiesta Bowl, and so they gave up forty-five, and then they gave up sixty-five. I mean, that's you know that's really bad. But you can you cannot say they didn't belong there. They were undisputedly one of the four best teams in the nation all season long. Yes, swept the Big Twelve in the regular season, lost the Big Twelve title game in overtime, and could have. Let's give them credit; they could have kicked the field goal and extended it overtime. They went for the win, and I credit Sonny Dykes for that, even if it didn't turn out. And then they went out. They are the only team in the nation at the end of the year where they win over a one-loss team. That's it. They are the only team with a victory that kept somebody else from having an undefeated season. And they uh, deserve yeah, credit for that true. win over Michigan. Okay. Yeah. As, as much as Michigan shot itself in the foot in that epic Fiesta Bowl game, TCU deserved to win the game. They made the plays. Credit, credit TCU. They deserved it, and it's a great story. Good for them. I think that Michigan, very early, I think it was the first series, Michigan showed how much they missed Blake Corum. Because they were, I think it was at fourth down and two yards to go for a touchdown. Yep. I believe it might have been Michigan's first possession. And instead of running Blake Corum up the middle, because they didn't have Corum, they ran a Philly special. It was horrible. And right there atrocious. you went, yeah, they missed Blake Corum. And that probably cost them that semifinal game. I, I agree with that. That that whole first series just was a fiasco. They had the fumble on the goal line later, which a fiasco. And then they had two interceptions go back for touchdowns. You couldn't have a more just uh, you know, shit show of a, a game for, for the Michigan offense than what they had. And credit and, TCU for taking advantage of it. And then you couldn't have more of a shit show play than how Ohio State lost to Georgia. I that, yeah. that wasn't even wide left. That was, oh, my God, he kicked it into – you know, the fifth row of the sidelines. I was trying to figure out why they they insisted on saying that Noah Ruggles was, you know, grad transfer from the University of North Carolina, because as soon as they brought up the University of North Carolina and a field goal <laughs> kicker in the biggest game, it was it was a stone cold lock that he was hooking that son of a bitch. And we call we, we were watching the game live at the house. Had, we had company over. We had the game on. It was a good time. Everybody in the house. He's missing it. He's missing it. And sure. Not, I mean, it was as clear as day. hooked it left dead hook the whole way. And at the stroke of midnight on the East Coast, which, you know, that's great booking by the uh, by, by, by McMahon or whoever, whoever came up with that storyline. So that's good stuff. Well, McMahon wasn't busy at the time, so it could have been. It could have been. At the time. At the time. Exactly. But I don't Georgia, know if we'll Georgia get into makes that. A comeback. That's a shit show. I, yeah, that's a shit show. I, I, I don't want to get into that. Georgia scores two touchdowns on Ohio State in the fourth quarter, comes back, wins the game. And you know Ryan Day's just got to be just, you know, just, just miserable today knowing that that was the TCU performance that they got. But I don't, you know, I don't know if Ohio State's defense would have been able to shut down TCU's offense the way Georgia did. Georgia, there's just too many dudes. That's, that's the best I can put it. There's just too many dudes, too many athletes. And I mean, that was a just a dominant performance by the dogs. All credit to Georgia. They deserved it. Well, did you notice that Georgia did have to finally uncork Brock Bowers for the first time this season? It was nice to see finally. Yeah, so they had to unload the secret weapon. Yeah, it was nice to see them actually finally go to Bowers after uh, after they'd sort of, you know, just kept him in case all season long. You know, seven catches, 152 yards. Just, he's just done. He's an absolute stud. He's, he's going to make a shit ton of money in the NFL. You know, that, that's, that's kind of like a I, – I guess it's when the face brings out the uh, – the man-sized Christmas present, and the heel's stupid <laughs> enough to open it. 
you know, and out pops some monster and beats him up. You know, that's what Georgia uh-huh. did. They said, here, TCU, here's a late Christmas present. Oh, it's Brock Bowers. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> we should have known, it, and, and the, the red flags were all out, but we should have known that Georgia minus 13 was an absolute lock when after the first two games were so good, we, we should have known there was not going to be another, a, a third competitive game there. Cause those yeah, semifinals were fantastic. There. Yeah. I, for instance, that's usually what happens in the NCAA basketball tournament when you have two incredible semifinals and then that final is deflating. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Under most circumstances. Should have known. We've never gotten three good games out of the playoff. We've barely gotten one good game out of the playoff in a given year. And to get two on the semis the way we did, that was too much to ask for. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's a good thing we had that because the rest of the bowl season was pretty much forgettable, except for about a 48-hour period. I think it was December 28th and 29th. Most of the bowl games were just absolutely unforgettable. There was a good stretch. We had a really good stretch. We did have Southern Mississippi's Frank Gore Jr. go for 329 rushing yards, which is an all-time bowl record. That was just fabulous. And and Frank Gore Jr., if he doesn't wear out his body, is going to be a hellacious running back in the pros. Do you think he can get his dad to come out of retirement so they can play for one game together? I wouldn't. I wouldn't cross it off, man. He's he's he can still go. <laughs> And then Kansas and Arkansas play in triple overtime in the Liberty Bowl. That was fantastic. And, and did you notice, again, the tackle, the offensive tackle for Kansas, who has caught key touchdown passes before, caught the two-point conversion again? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the kid for the kid that beat Texas last year. Awesome stuff. That was fantastic. So it was December 28th where Kansas and Arkansas went to triple overtime. Oregon, North Carolina gave us toe-to-toe first half in the Liberty Bowl at the very same time. I can't believe, I can't believe Carolina covered that, by the way. It's <laughs> yeah. what a load of crap. At the same time, Missouri was trouncing Kentucky in basketball, which now as we look back on is really no big deal. Uh, We're going to talk about more of that later. <laughs> and Tennessee was in an absolute rock fight with Ole Miss for about four hours on December 28th. That was some fantastic sports. It was some good stuff. Hey, you mentioned North Carolina covering, and that was a nice win for you on that last week of bowl season. We made our listeners a profit this year. We guaranteed you winners, and we have given you guaranteed winners to the tune of 3.3 units. Boom. Book it right there. <laughs> and how much did you pay for it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Guaranteed winners every week here on Six Year Seniors. I got to give you credit, Mikey, because you finished exactly 75 and 75. Coin flip, Mikey. That, that was bad. I, I started I started out the season so hot, faded late. You did. You did. Now, so that was a seven and a half unit loss. I ended up 112 and 92 for a 10.8 unit profit. That included straight cash, homie. Yeah, that included an 11 and two run from December mm. 24th on. Wow. And, and I was so fortunate because I got a, I made the run up to Reno on December 23rd and laid bets on all those games. Let's just put it this way. My college basketball season is already paid for. Straight straight cash. Where can you where would one be able to find those basketball picks that you're making and stacking more bank on? Where can they find it? Well, that would be on Twitter at 60 year seniors with the number six. And right now we are about 20 units up on the season. Mm. Mm. Big boy statements right there. Love it. Before we go entirely to college basketball one quick note the pac-12 and big 12 have not yet released their conference schedules for 2023 they're supposed to be due out in mid-december they're not yet out and nobody's saying why i think there's more shenanigans still to come before august of 2023 and it might involve texas and oklahoma leaving and maybe USC and UCLA leaving as well. 
And I don't think the SEC has released their football schedule either. I saw somebody, one of my LSU sources on Twitter this morning wondering that same question. So, yeah, there are there's some moving pieces still out there that usually are already in place by now. So, yeah, there, there, there's something afoot. So for those of you who say, oh, TCU didn't deserve to be in the playoffs, well, don't worry about it. As soon as the Big Ten and the SEC expand, you'll never see a team from another conference other than the Big Ten or SEC in the playoffs ever again. God, I hate college football. It's just the worst, and it's the best. I, I just want them to get this done with so that the Big Ten and the SEC can go off and do whatever kind of semi-pro thing they're doing so we can enjoy college football at that secondary level because that's where college football will still continue to be good. I hope you're right on that. There's nothing like a big day in the fall on campus. You cannot match the buzz. You just you just can't. Oh, but I'm so looking forward to USC at Rutgers. Nothing screams, you know, <laughs> big <laughs> big time rivalry. <laughs> big time rivalry like you UCLA going across the going across the ocean to play Maryland. I mean, come on. <laughs> big Fox Monday. Big Fox Monday, yeah. <laughs> or excuse me, Big Fox Saturday, whatever. whatever. Big noon Saturday, whatever. That the, is. They're gonna they're gonna have to stretch. They're gonna have to stretch the TV windows out to to make it all work now. But 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 what about the kids? They have to go to class. Oh, who cares about the kids? <laughs> Come on, let's be real here. Well, okay, I I think we I think we did it. We talked enough about football. We we did at least make fifteen minutes out of it, so. We got that going cu- for us. One, one more thing on the football season before before we uh, before, before we, we shut close, it down. lock the door. Yeah. And hope they don't come back. <laughs> what was your favorite moment this season? College. It was a hell of a season. Let's see. As disappointing as the championship game was, this was as good a regular season I think as we've seen since the famous 2007 Armageddon season. Oh man, favorite moment. When you first asked that question, my brain started rolling, and I stuck on, I believe it was the first week, yeah, it was the first week of the season, that Appalachian State-North oh, Carolina game, because my buddy and I had gone from one casino to another thinking the game was over, and then we found <laughs> it on another TV and realized it wasn't, and ended up, it was just amazing, it was an amazing, surreal moment of not realizing what we missed and then realizing that we didn't actually miss what we missed. It was, it was just such an amazing punch, counter punch, counter, counter punch event. That was the, that was an amazing end to that game. I'm still convinced that had I been able to watch that game live, we wouldn't would be talking to each other right no, now. We wouldn't be talking right now. No, <laughs> I, I, I would, I, I would either be in jail or, or dead. No, it's simple as that. The, the two the two moments that come out to me and, and this is these are the two moments I'll remember the most from the regular season Tennessee beating Alabama and Nealon the field goal the knuckleball that goes through the crowd oh, yeah, storm in the yeah. field they took the they took the, the field goal post in the, the river, river. The, the guy mug the, the guy with the cigar mugging for the CBS camera just an all time great moment and the TCU field goal fire drill in Waco. Oh, that to was win good. the game and yeah. keep the undefeated season alive. Just an unbelievable moment. I still, I still cannot believe they butchered that the way they did and got away with it to, to get the field goal to win the game. Just all-time great season from, uh, from TCU. Awesome, uh, just awesome moments all around. It was uh, good stuff. So a very, very fun football season. I wish we had more of them like it. And it's too bad that TCU had nothing left in the tank for Georgia. Yeah, it is too bad. Hey, one note going into next season that will be interesting. Sam Hartman graduated from Wake Mm. Forest. He is transferred to Notre Dame. What do you think? Can Sam Hartman spice up the Notre Dame offense? Sam Hartman's good enough to do it. I'll say that. I'm curious as to what sort – if they're going to – are they going to adjust the offense around him? Or are they going to try to, to, to piece Hartman into the bits of the offense that they already have? I, I think it can work either way, uh, but it's a very, very intriguing uh, concept. And Hartman is, I, I hate this because I hate the idea of, of a, of a team's brand making, you know, whether, you know, how, how, 
you know, how relevant a player is, but Hartman's a Heisman Trophy c- contender at Notre Dame. Let's just because be Because he's up. at Notre Dame. Because he's at Notre Dame. And I think, I think they're going to have a shot to have a big time season because Hartman is that good that we have slept on him because he's been playing at Wake Forest. People will not sleep on him if he's at Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and frankly, it's because Sam Hartman will be winning games. Uh, Grant, yes. Wake Forest made a bowl. I think they finished with eight wins this year. But Wake Forest looking... has been as good as they've ever been in the last three years under Hartman. So, yeah. Right. And, and that barely made him relevant. Yep. Notre Dame can go eight and four next year with Sam Hartman, and he will get ten times the amount of coverage that he would at an eight and four Wake Forest team. 100%. I, it's not fair, but it is what it is. It's all about the brand. All about the brand. And speaking of brands, if you wanted to go on a cruise, there's only one brand that you'd want to go on. And how might you do that? Hit up our girl, Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She is booking cruises left and right right now for, for, for winter. If you want to get away from the cold weather, go down to the Caribbean. A great time to get a good deal on a Caribbean cruise. Spring break, summer vacation, next Christmas. It's never a bad time to book your next awesome getaway. Hit up our girl, Wendy Prater at MagicalJourneysTravel.com. I'll tell you what, one time off between now and January 15th, if you hit her up, Right now, she will give you, for every point that Georgia scored in the national championship game, $65 off your next trip deposit. If you book between now and January 15th with Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel, she makes the plans, you make the memories. You can't beat that kind of deal. Absolutely. Hey, before we get into college basketball, you talked about getting away from winter weather. I think it was probably earlier this year that I was complaining about, you know, 100 degree heat days in a row Mm. here in six year seniors west. Well, it has now rained on us for 16 consecutive days. It's been brutal out there, man. Our rivers are overflowing. Our trees are falling over. California isn't going to get shaken by an earthquake into the ocean. The ocean is just going to flood on top of us. Then, then what's Lamar Thomas and FIU going to do? They're going to have to come across two oceans. <laughs> They're going to have to come across two oceans. Yes. <laughs> My God. Yeah. The flood, the flooding been out there. It's a flooding out there. It's just been ridiculous. Just it has been insane. insane. I, I, I posted some photos on Facebook that I, I saw you saw uh, of, of just hundred foot trees. Kind of, Sacramento is known as a city of trees. We have tons of legacy trees that are possibly a hundred years old and easily a hundred foot tall. And they have been toppling over into houses and into streets for this past week. It's awful to see, but at the same time, it's just fascinating to see such mammoth plants fall down. That's insane. That's an absolute. And by the way, that's an absolute horseshit call in Charlottesville as, as, as we're nearing the half here. Absolute garbage charge calling R.J. Davis. I don't even know what we're doing here. Well, while you're watching basketball, and I know you spent a lot of time during the Christmas break watching other basketball games on your DVR, did you finally get to the Eastern Illinois-Iowa game? I did not. Oh, no. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I did. That was You're my ruining comedy. the gimmick here, man. <laughs> I, 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 I did. I watched a lot on the DVR. There's a lot on the DVR, okay? But yeah, I, I had to filter all through. Yeah, yeah, that was a shit show. Eastern Illinois, a 32-point underdog, won at Big Ten, Iowa, 92-83. It was the largest upset in the last 30 years of recorded closing lines in Vegas. Mm-hmm. To give you some idea, the largest prior upset to that is one Mikey recalls very vividly. Would you like to tell us what game that was? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, it was probably the Stephen F. Austin Duke game at Cameron, which which famously ended the absolute bullshit non-conference home court winning streak by the Duke Blue Devils a couple years back. You are absolutely correct. They were a 27-point dog in that game. Mm. Now, you may ask, well, what about Maryland-Baltimore County beating Virginia? That, that's the biggest upset ever. Well, that was the first time a one lost to a 16 in the tournament. But 
UMBC was actually only a 20-point dog, and that wasn't even the largest upset in the NCAA tournament by spread. That was Norfolk State beating Missouri, 21-point dog back in 2012. Oh, wow. And actually, if anybody's curious, you remember Chaminade's historic upset of Virginia on the Hawaii Islands in the tournament. That was before Vegas had lines on those games. And because Chaminade was a division, what were they, 1AA or NAIA team? It was something like that. There was no line on that game. And there's no Ken Palm rankings to be able to even figure out what a line would have been. (laughs) So, yeah, Eastern Illinois, a 32-point dog, wins at Iowa by nine. A 41-point difference between the score and the spread. Good grief. Also, while we were gone, Hawaii won the Diamond Head Classic with a buzzer beat in three over SMU. That was a really fun ball game. I believe that was on Christmas night, wasn't it? It was either Christmas Eve or Christmas night. It was a buzzer-beating three, but then didn't they like have to put time back on the clock, and they took the people off the court, and then they ran the yeah. last play? It, yeah. It was bullshit. Come on. That's, that's, what are we doing here? Come on. Yeah, the, the crowd stormed the storm in the field but there was actually like half a second left uh and i think smu had two chances to inbound the ball for some reason they had to clear the teams off the court to get the second inbound to happen yeah what it, is this the 72 good. gold medal game come on it's the diamond head <laughs> classic get the hell out of here come on iona of course was the favorite going into that they lost in the first round to smu Uh, They did win the next two games, win the consolation title. Iona is still looking good. We'll talk more about them on Monday. Yep. Uh, One other ball game of note, Kentucky on New Year's Eve beat Louisville 86-63. No alumni went home happy because the game pushed on the (laughs) 20-point spread. Is that the only since look, since I cleared the DVR, is that the only game Kentucky's won? Uh, that could be... Or did be... they win another one? I don't know. Uh, hang on. Let me take a look here. <laughs> See what the monkeys in the truck can tell us. Because all I know is that that, that the not only was the alumni not happy about the Louisville result, the alumni ain't happy, period, right now. They're, they're, not, ha- they're not happy if they're betting on the cats, if they're just cheering for the cats. There's a <laughs> lot of rumbling in, in Lexington right now. They did beat LSU next out, but they've since lost to Alabama and South Carolina. And during that Alabama loss, what was the mm. crowd chanting? It was, uh, it was, Cal to Texas, clap, 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 Cal to Texas. Oh my God. Just, that's Alabama, that's Alabama basketball fans cheering yeah. at you, Kentucky. I mean, my God, what are we doing here? Um, because Alabama's is, a basketball school now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, they can't even make the college football playoff anymore. If, they, if we started the tournament right now, they'd be a number one seed in the tournament, according to Joe Lenardi. So, you know, they're a total basketball school. It, I, it's it, really, it, really hard. It's really hard for me to believe that, that Kentucky would part ways with John Calipari. But the way this season is going, it is not out of the imagination. Well, tell me this. Why exactly were the Alabama fans thinking that Calipari might be going to Texas? Because Texas got rid of Chris Beard officially after the uh, the domestic assault charges. I was actually surprised that happened. I'm kind of surprised as well. But at the same time, the reason that Texas gave for getting rid of him made perfect sense. It wasn't the domestic assault charges. It was that his behavior was unbecoming to the school. As, a tech, as, a, as an administrator. Just being involved was enough to be, quote, unbecoming. And, and I got to admit, remember we, remember we joked about Chris Beard's attorney and how he got one very quickly? And it seemed we, like we he did. grabbed one off the street. Well, we may have something going here because Chris Beard's attorney immediately said, Texas didn't interview Beard or his, I don't know if it's girlfriend, fiance, or wife, but the, the victim involved, and only read social media and Twitter accounts. Well, that's exactly the reason that Texas <laughs> got rid of him, was because of the social media accounts. You idiot! You played right into their hands. Good grief. 
I mean, yeah, I, I, Chris Beard obviously got the ambulance chaser. He was the first one to show up at his door. Yes, 100%. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a classic, you know, scammy attorney. I mean, other than Saul Goodman. Uh, it, it, wasn't there a great one on The Simpsons? Oh, I'm sure there was. I I, I don't remember. But Didn't I, uh, who who did Nick who did Nick Patrick get as his attorney from uh, from the office of Dewey Cheatham and Howe? <laughs> oh, well, Dewey WCW. Cheatham and Howe is always great. Yeah, yeah. The, there was the, he he had he had an attorney. I can't remember who he was. That, that that's always a good one. So, I mean, Clarence Mason's on speed dial too. So you never know. So so yeah, Texas is without Chris Beard. They've not been bad though. And they haven't been bad. I noticed a real silence from the players about this, which led me to believe that they really didn't care that he got fired. It was interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. And just a couple of days ago, they finally had a press conference with a couple of the players and the players re- reaction was, we're not going to let this bother us. It's like they really don't care that Chris Beard is gone. I, there's nobody standing up for his rights. There's nobody standing up because Chris Beard's a good guy. It's like, yeah, let's move on. I seem to remember Beard getting a reputation as a hard ass at Texas Tech. So this lack of reaction doesn't exactly surprise me. And I'm curious to see if Texas can can keep their momentum up. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. We've talked about how good the Big 12 is this season. The Big 12 is bonkers. And you specifically said, whoever winds up with the most road wins in the Big 12 is going to win the conference. Texas got two right now. There's more road wins in the Big Conference than I was expecting, though. Me too. Me too. I, For instance, on Saturday, all five of the road teams won, including a pair of them in overtime. So right now, Texas, Kansas State, Kansas, and Iowa State all have two road wins. TCU and Oklahoma have one each. And yeah, I, I'm shocked about how many road wins ha- have be- have happened already. Maybe that's what's going to have to happen is that the champ may have four or five road wins, but have three or four home losses. Yeah. I mean, it, I, at this point, and, and it's crazy to say this, but I think 13 and seven is, is a contender for the conference title. Or so, what am I saying? Uh, yeah, how, how uh, do, well, it'd be like 12. I've got, I've got 12. Uh, no, yeah, no, 12, 12 and 6. 12 and 6. There, there we go. And six. There yeah. we go. Uh, it that, wouldn't that, surprise me if it's 11 and 7. Like I said, I'd love to see everybody 11 and 7 all the way down to 7 and 11. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be that close. As of last week, and I'm sure it's still the case, the top 10 remaining schedule, or the, the top 10 toughest schedules of everybody remaining were literally the 10 teams in the Big 12. That, that is an incredible stat. Now, that it's is unbelievable. Based, that, is that based upon uh, the net rankings, or was that Ken I, Palm? I think it was net. I don't know if it was Ken Palm or not. Uh, well, I can't actually, remember who I've, pulled I've got, that. I've got Ken Palm open here. Let me see. Uh, strength of schedule. Okay, no, no, it, it, it wouldn't be Ken Palm. Uh, because actually they say Seton Hall has the toughest strength of schedule. Oh, wow. Um, I think Big East was that good. Come on. But yeah, so it must be the net. So the net has the top 10 toughest schedules attributed to all 10 Big 12 teams. That's, there, just, that's is, just an amazing statistic. There's a possibility all 10 get in the field. I think which so. Which would oh. be the most crit- yeah, that, that would be that would be incredible. And and when we did our preview of the Big 12, I said that the worst team was ranked 50th in Ken Palm. Yeah. Now the worst team is ranked 41st. They're moving on up. I, the crazy. 41st team in Ken Palm usually makes the NCAA tournament. Absolutely crazy. The Big 12, so there are, we, we always say there's no night, no nights off in the Big 12, but usually, you know, you can probably find a couple where you can probably sneak by. You know, there's no nights off in the Big 12 this season. Literally, the worst team in the league it will, com- will, not can, will compete with the top team in the league at the top team's bar. It's that tight in the league this season. It's insane. Yeah, Texas Tech is actually the worst team right now in the big 12 
They're 0-3. What's a little bit worrisome is two of those losses were at home, and they've got three of the next four on the road. So Texas Tech is going to have to pick up a couple of road wins, or they're going to be deep in the bottom of the Big 12. They are, they're vulnerable right now. If, if we're going to try to get 10 teams in, the Red Raiders are the ones that need to do something right now. Otherwise, they're going to, they're, they're going to get left behind. The other two teams that are 0-3 right now are West Virginia and Baylor. Who saw that coming? That's just amazing, especially considering the games they have played. That TCU game they played about a week or so ago was absolutely a cliffhanger. I don't know how TCU won the game. They were behind for probably 39 minutes and 58 seconds. Pretty much, yeah. Which, since I mentioned that, I may as well throw this in off the format sheet. We talked about Gonzaga possibly having issues to start the West Coast season because they had their first three games on the road. They were trailing USF for 39 minutes and 50 seconds before they put in the winning basket midweek this past week. Pissed me off. And then Santa Clara went toe-to-toe with them before losing in the final minute. The Zags have squeaked out a pair of road wins. They have BYU, I think it's Thursday night, on the road. If they make it 3-0 and with three road games to start the season, you could pretty much kiss off the West Coast Conference for everybody else, and that includes St. Mary's. Pretty much, yeah. One other note, I mentioned that I quit watching the title football game at halftime, and I flipped on New Mexico and Oral Roberts, which ranks up there with the BYU-Coastal Carolina game from a couple years ago. It was scheduled, That's right. It was scheduled just a couple weeks ago when New Mexico canceled its home-and-home home with New Mexico State. Oral Roberts stepped in and said, hey, we'll take you guys on at the pit. Awesome. Absolutely entertaining ball game. New Mexico won 82-75, but Max Abrams was electric. That New Mexico squad is really tough. They're going to be very hard to beat in the pit this year. Lobos, last undefeated team, but they're undefeated no more. We're out. We, we've got we got no undefeated left, and, and, and it's the it's the first week of January, and, and we're already done. The, the game shouldn't end this early, right? Usually doesn't. No, usually doesn't. I thought New Mexico would be able to hang on a little bit longer than they did. You mentioned they were the last team. On January 3rd, they fell at Fresno State. The day before that, Purdue lost at home to Rutgers. That was a fabulous game. Did you catch that on your DVR? I did catch that on the DVR, and props to Rutgers for just going toe-to-toe with Zach Eady and the Boilermakers, and then executing down the stretch, getting the buckets they needed to, to win the game. Big, big boy basketball from the Scarlet Knights. There were three undefeated teams when we last talked. The first one to go down was Connecticut losing at Xavier on New Year's Eve. Uh, And then they ended up losing their next game at Providence. Everybody's lost a game, and actually there's only six teams left now with one loss. I don't think anybody's going to get through the season with only one, maybe even only two losses. Certainly doesn't feel like it. The, the, the teams with the lone loss right now, Houston, Kansas, Purdue, Kansas State, Florida, Atlantic, and the team with the longest winning streak in the nation, your college Charleston Cougars. Yet lost to North Carolina on opening night, haven't lost since. Yeah, so something to keep an eye on. I think Florida Atlantic's got a good shot at being unbeaten the rest of the season. I, if you had to choose one, I think I'd choose Florida Atlantic. They, they seem to be head and shoulders over everybody else in, uh, in Conference USA. I was a favorable schedule for sure. Yeah, that's exactly all it is. They're yeah. not the best. I, Kansas State surely isn't. <laughs> Kansas won't. Uh, I, Purdue yeah. can't. Uh, Houston, if they do, my God, they're going to be a story going into March. Yep, 100%. And not overlooking Charleston. They're a very good team. Uh, I think they may lose a couple in conference, but they're a very good basketball team. So I think that wraps up, wrapping up what we've, what we've missed while we've been gone. Let's take a look at the basketball schedule before we sign off for this return venture of 60-year seniors. Let's do it. Let's start with Thursday because, yes, we might be recording on Tuesday if you haven't figured that out yet, listening to Mike talk about the North Carolina-Virginia game. 
But you may no, not yeah, be the, listening the, the Car- to this. Carolina blew that. Or let, let's not let's not let, 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 let's not be uh, let's not pull the bull over anybody's eyes. <laughs> Carolina blew that game. All right. Oh, okay. But because the best producer in the business may not get around to editing this until Wednesday, you may not hear this until Wednesday. So let's take a look at Thursday. And the best game that day seems to be Gonzaga at BYU on ESPN at 6.30 p.m. At 8, Arizona is at Oregon State on ESPN2. Yeah, and and we've got uh, Utah and UCLA out west, too. Don't sleep on that. Yeah, some some good Pac-12 games there. Arizona slipped up uh, recently against Washington State. They came out very slowly against both Washington and Washington State. They were able to beat the Huskies, but Washington State saw the opening and just hammered the Wildcats. Surprising loss for Arizona. Did not see that coming. On Friday, early game, 2 p.m. Vegas time on ESPNU, Yale at Cornell. Cornell, as we mentioned in our previews, is looking really frisky. If they can beat Yale on their home court, Cornell has a chance to win the Ivy League. It could absolutely happen. And just get used to it now. Mark your calendars. Late night, almost any night, when the Mountain West is playing, there's going to be an exciting game on tap. On Friday, the late game at 8 p.m., Vegas time is Utah State at Nevada on Fox Sports 1. Good game there, absolutely. Mountain West had some doubts about the Mountain West back in November. I think they've sort of righted the ship. They're frisky again. There's literally five, six teams that have a legitimate shot at getting into the NCAA tournament. They all won't get in, unfortunately. But boy, they're all really good. 100%. On Saturday, with only two NFL playoff games going on, there's a decent card, especially early in the day. At 9 a.m., West Virginia at Oklahoma on ESPN2. And Miami of Florida, the surprise right now in the ACC, going up against NC State on the ACC network. One of the surprises in the ACC, let's go ahead and get Clemson knocked off Pittsburgh in uh, at Peterson last week. Clemson, the last undefeated team in conference in the ACC. Who would have seen, who would have thought that Clemson, Pitt, and Miami would be your top three in the ACC right now? NC State coming off a Yeah, we, are major, we playing football still? Yeah, exa- yeah no kidding. Uh, NC State coming off a major beatdown of the Dukies in Raleigh and then follow that up with a uh, win over Virginia Tech. Got a good chance to knock off Miami here at home. ACC, topsy-turvy. At 11 a.m., it's your Big 12 dose. It's Kansas State at TCU on ESPN2. Big East bit matchup, Providence at Creighton on Fox Sports 1. Picture in picture right there. Good grief. You mentioned the Dukies at 2 p.m. on the ACC Network. They travel to surprising Clemson. We've also got Iowa State on the road at Kansas, 1 o'clock Vegas time. Keep an eye on that for the back end of that Big 12 doubleheader. Yeah, pretty much any Big 12 game you can find is going to be a doozy. Must see TV, exactly. And speaking of that, at 3 p.m., you've got Oklahoma State at Baylor with the Bears in a must-win situation. That's on ESPN, too. Didn't see that happen in this early in the season for Baylor. Then later in the night, you've got your Mountain West doubleheader. New Mexico at San Diego State at 6 on CBS Sports. At 8, Boise at Wyoming on Fox Sports 1. That's a good pair of Mountain West games. Good grief. And you got a late night get back on Saturday night. Long Beach at Hawaii on ESPN+. Oh, on the island late. That's fantastic. On Sunday... You got Marquette and Xavier at 9 a.m. on Fox. At 11.15, do not miss, on the Big Ten Network, Ohio State at Rutgers. Oh, they got that one kind of buried right now. Is that a rematch of that game where What's-His-Face stepped out of bounds a few weeks back oh, and yes, they didn't rule right. it right? Yeah, so, yeah, something to keep an eye on there. Rutgers looking for revenge on that one for sure. Absolutely. And then on Monday, it's Martin Luther King Day. Hopefully everybody's off enjoying the holiday. There's basketball on all day long. The highlight, 1130, Purdue at Michigan State on Fox. Does Sparty have anything for the boiler? Something to keep an eye on. 
And there's a Conference USA doubleheader that's worth keeping an eye on. At 4 p.m., Florida Atlantic is at Western Kentucky on ESPNU and UAB at Middle Tennessee at 6 on CBS Sports. That's not bad. And then by Monday night, you will get a full, fresh, one-hour edition, and maybe some change, of 60-year seniors talking solely about college basketball. We will dig deep into all the conferences, fill you in on who's surprising, who's doing what they're expected to do, and who's making a run in at-large berths all the way from the Big 12 down to the Atlantic Sun or whoever else is down at the bottom of the Ken Palm rankings. You say solely on college basketball. Let's let let's not let's let's not escape the the possibility of us going off on on some tangents to talk about God knows what and God knows who. Oh, you, like you, you Vince McMahon coming back to the WWE. Yes, yeah, like like a hostile takeover on January sixth. Yeah, let's talk about that. Oh God, that's right. That did happen on January sixth as well. Yeah, of course, of course it did. <laughs> Taking like Don, his keys he, from Donald Trump. <laughs> he's like, damn it, let me show you how to do this. Donnie, <laughs> I'm actually surprised it took that long. Do you, do you want to take a couple of minutes and talk about this? We might as well. It, it, we're, we're we're killing time on the back end of the show here. Why not? <laughs> so for for those maybe not familiar with what's going on, Vince McMahon, quote unquote retired from the board of directors of which he was the president of WWE because he'd paid looks like $15 million to multiple women he was having affairs with something like that, but the out out of company funds, yeah, out of company funds. But the gig is he owns like 81% of the voting shares of the public stock. So all he had to do was vote himself back in. And what do you know, on January 6th, about three months after he retired, he votes himself back in as CEO, gets rid of a couple board members, brings in his own cronies. It's a classic heel wrestling move. It really is. And the reason he says he's doing this is to help work through a pending sale of WWE. To who, who knows? But it looks like the WWE is finally going to be out of McMahon hands. Then what happens to pro wrestling? I'll, one, I'll believe they do the. I'll believe they do the uh, the sale when it actually goes through. Oh, um, you don't think it'll happens, sell? I, it'll sell. I, I, I honestly don't believe that McMahon's trying to cash out yet. He's he's too much of an egomaniac for that, isn't he? He's not really. I, I, I think he's enough of an egomaniac that he has to be involved in the final chapter. And he knows that this is the final chapter. That's a fair assessment of the situation. OK, I, I, I can I can see that angle on it. My concern is Vince McMahon and also you know, Hunter and Stephanie, and even though they have writers doing creative. They understand wrestling. If somebody comes in, say Disney buys it or NBC buys it, who's going to be the guy who has the wrestling background that says, no, don't do that stupid daytime serial shit. You got to at least have some kind of, you know, sports background involved. You got to book some heat here. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Or or are we just going to have daytime soap operas even worse than what we have now? Well, the, the, the daytime soap operas that they're all gone. Like they've all been banished to to lowest end streaming services with the lowest end production values you can imagine. Oh, have they? So, I didn't. I didn't really know that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I. I, yeah, I know this because there's a couple. There's a couple of, of people that live in my house that are disappointed that days of our lives the production values aren't what they used to be, and they really are. They're horrible. They're absolutely atrocious. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're gonna do. Pro wrestling is unique in that sense, that it is still a blurred line between sport and entertainment. And I just have a feeling as somebody who doesn't understand that buys it and just thinks it's going to be entertainment, I, I think they're going to lose their audience even more than they already have. Well, if, there, if there's anybody out there that knows how to get a bag 
more than anybody else in, in Weasels, it's Jeff Jarrett. All right, so let's let, let's let's throw that possibility out there that that it sells, and then and then Jeff Jarrett jumps back over to to run to, to run the, the the TV side of things. I mean, my God, I don't know if Triple H should go with him. I I have I honestly have no idea. Well, no you, idea what would happen. You know, Jeff Jarrett just signed with AEW. I know. I know. Oh, so you but think you just jump ship, much like William Regal did? <laughs> if the if the money was there, like I, look, Jeff Jeff Jarrett has, has has raised his prestige as far as uh, bag getters here in recent years. So I, I respect I respect the hustle. Yeah, and he definitely has fu money. Uh, he really 100%. doesn't care who he works for. He's got that global gold money. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the next year or so of pro wrestling will be entertaining. Maybe not in the ring, but on the business side. On the on the dirt sheet side, keep up with Meltzer. Meltzer's like just frothing at the mouth. He's like, oh, the, the, the Observer, Observer script is going to go up here. It's great. Well, talk about bags of money. No, Mel- Meltzer has AEW's bags of money. You're and specifically Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks bags. Yeah, it's, em- it's, embarrass- it's embarrassing on that front. Here, here's how embarrassingly obvious it was when Omega and the Young Bucks were suspended from AEW for what about three months. All Something of a sudden, like Meltzer's exclusives from the AEW newsroom vanished. Now, how about that? Well, I wonder what happened. <laughs> so there you go. We did college football, we did college basketball, and we did pro wrestling. Oh, and we also threw in gambling. So we're four and four on this episode. And four for Welcome four. Absolutely, back. we covered all the bases. A plus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Seven stars, Tokyo Dome. <laughs> Ain't got shit on us, all right? The first eight star, 60-year seniors. Absolutely. I have nothing else for the listening audience. Me either. Send us home and go root for your North Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see about that. For uh, for, for, for Masa Chono uh, and all those Japanese, uh, all the Jushin Thunder Liger. I'm, Tiger I'm, trying, I'm trying to go back. Tiger, yeah, Tiger Mask, Kenta Kabashi, all the all those guys. That's the best producer in the business. Alan Caps on Mikey Watson. We'll be back Monday to talk about college hoops and God knows what else. Right here on Six Your Seniors.